Hello, I'm Steve, the retired criminal investigator with the Air Force Office of Special Investigations, the Federal Law Enforcement Agency of the United States Air Force. I'm Hannah, the amateur true crime enthusiast. I've been fascinated with my dad's job, and I love starting conversations with him to learn more. Join us each week as we share these conversations with you and discuss a real criminal case that piques our interest. Hello. Welcome back, archivists. Hello. Welcome back. To another week of True Crime Archives. Guess what this is? What? Number 80. This is our 80th episode. episode. Yeah. Good job. Cool. High five. High five. Well, it's going to be loud. Good good job. Okay. Well, today for number 80, we are in Lakeland, Florida in 1981. What were you doing in 1981? Me? Mm-hmm. I was in high school. Ah. Freshman? Sophomore. Didn't you graduate in 84? Right. So, 84. So, back that up. Started senior eighty three. Started junior eighty two. So, so sophomore. Showing your age a little bit. No, we didn't show. <laughs> we told. Uh, <laughs> it was know, pretty I'm clear. Just, I'm just joking. <laughs> yeah, yeah, pretty clear. We mentioned it. Okay, so like I said, today we are in Lakeland, Florida. We are talking about the murder of Linda Slayton. In 1981, she was a single mom to two boys. She was 31 years old. Her oldest son was 15, and her youngest son was 12. Their father had not been in their life for a while at this point. He was actually pretty abusive during her marriage with him. So they were together for about nine years, and they got a divorce in 1974. He was her oldest son, Jeff, actually describes him as being a violent drunk. So they got a divorce in 1974, and she took the kids and moved to Florida. So actually, I was as old as the oldest son then. Oh, 15, yeah. Oh, no, wait a minute. No, this sophomore in... year, 16, 17, 16, yeah. Uh, yeah, I think 15. Okay, something like that, yeah. No, 15, wow. because Holy I crap, was... high school that young? I was 15 in my sophomore year, because when we moved back well, to yeah, the States, yeah, that's right, I was yeah. just turning 16. So, yeah, he, this, so you're the same age. The same age as the youngest son. At the same son. time. All right. Yeah. Her younger son describes her, Linda's younger son, describes her as being cool and fun. The Both boys say that they didn't really have, they were struggling. They didn't, she was a single mm-hmm. mom. They didn't have a lot of food. They didn't have a lot of money. But she always made sure that they had mm-hmm. really good meals and that they were taken care of. She would make her own clothes to save money. Mm-hmm. They didn't have a car, but she was always I feel happy. I like we've heard that story before, huh? Yeah, mm-hmm. it's pretty common. She had just, so they had just moved into a brand new apartment complex. Mm-hmm. It had only been like a couple weeks that they had been living there. All right. On September 4th, 1981, her sister, Judy Butler, went over to Linda's apartment to have coffee with her. And apparently for the last like couple weeks that they had been living in this new apartment, they had been doing this every single morning. So Linda was expecting judy that morning so she knocks on the door and judy gets no answer she thinks that's weird but she after a few minutes turns to leave when she notices that the window to her sister's bedroom has the screen has been removed and the window is like open 
and the bed like so the the headboard is like right up against the the window and she goes over to look and she immediately can see that her sister is laying across the bed not like how you so would she's sleep. looking in from the window from outside yes yeah. and she can see that her sister is dead mm-hmm. laying on the bed she is screaming calling for help a neighbor calls 911 and when he like hears her screaming and then police come where are the kids? At this point, Judy doesn't know. Oh, so shit. police get there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So when police get there, obviously she tells them that she her sister has two children because right now all she can see is her sister yeah. laying there. Yeah. Okay. And she had been remember she had been knocking on the front door. She had been knocking on the front door and no one answered. When police get there, they end up having to go in through another window. Because they're not able to get uh, gain entry through the front door, uh-huh. which I mean, I like. I thought it was interesting. Like, wasn't there like an apartment manager that could just come unlock the door? But maybe they were just in a rush to get inside since we mm-hmm. didn't know where the kids were. Both kids are asleep inside. Fine, they do find. Oh, jeez. Yeah, they're asleep inside. This was like a small, I think, just one bedroom apartment. So mm-hmm. the oldest son was actually his bed was in the living room. Mm-hmm. And then the younger son had his own bedroom. So it was just a two-bedroom apartment. Oh, this is weird already. Mm-hmm. So the 15 and 12-year-old obviously didn't hear anything. Right. Do you want to talk about the timeline of events or the crime scene? I guess the crime scene yeah, comes first. Yeah, crime scene first. first. Yeah. Okay. Because what are they seeing when they get there, right? Okay. So when police go in and find her, she has a wire hanger wrapped around her neck with claw marks where she had clearly been trying to pull it away from her. There was lots of blood. Her dress was pulled up. Based on the evidence, it looked like the attack had happened on or around the bed, so everything was isolated to the bed. Her purse and jewelry were all still there untouched. She had lots of, like, jewelry sitting out on her dresser. No robbery. Right. There was a shoe print on her pillowcase. So remember I said the bed was right up against the window. Yeah, okay. Now we're talking. Now it's talking to us, the crime scene. There was a trail of matching shoe prints leading from the bed to her closet. I mentioned the window was left open. What's with the, the shoe print? Blo- bloody shoe print? No, or just a shoe just print, shoe like print? Okay. dirty, yeah. Okay. There was uh, evidence of sexual assault. There was a palm print on the windowsill from the inside. And then the autopsy report does confirm that she had been sexually assaulted and strangled. Hmm. So quite a bit of evidence. Yeah, the hanger was first clue, but yeah. Um, so you can it's this evidence is kind of painting a picture. Mm-hmm. Somebody obviously jumped out the window at least, you know, from the bed, right? The bed was at the window. You said right. Or, so there's a palm print on the window from the inside, right? But there's a shoe print like coming in, so oh okay. There, yeah. The theory okay, so is they, that they came they in came that in way. and yeah. left that way. Okay, yeah. All right. What floor was this on? The first first floor. Okay. Yeah. Now you know why you never get an apartment on the first floor, right? I always get an apartment on the first floor. Yeah, I know. Me too. It's just easier. Yeah. <laughs> now I hadn't thought of that before this second. So thank you for putting that new fear <laughs> into my head. Yeah. You never what? Get, you never get an apartment on the first floor. You didn't know that. No, I never thought yeah. of that. Right. I've I've not lived other than living in Vegas. I've not lived in a place that I should be concerned about where my apartment mm. 
Okay. New fear unlocked. Thank you for that. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So somebody's coming in and out, and there's a footprint. Mm-hmm. What size? Big size? Did they say? Or okay. I didn't get that. Okay. So do you so want to? So the claw hear? marks on her looks like she was trying to pull her away. She pull was that. Like fighting so, to get so it somebody, away. So somebody. So they. Mm-hmm. So and then the the footprint went to the closet. So obviously that person so the, went over to the closet. The starting footprint yeah. was on the bed and then from the bed to the closet. To grab a coat hanger, mm-hmm. probably. And then to strangle her. Mm-hmm. Let me give you the timeline first. Okay. So then you can give me your theory and then I'll read you their theory right. okay. to see how it plays, if it aligns. Okay, so September 3rd, 1981. So the day before, earlier in the evening, afternoon... Jeff, her oldest son, and Linda had gotten into an argument. He wanted to spend some time at his grandparents, um, so he leaves and goes to their house. He gets home around 9.30, okay? She is, like, cleaning up from dinner. She's not home yet. I'm sorry. He says he falls asleep just after midnight, never heard anything. His bedroom was in the living room. Tim, her younger son, got home from football practice around 8.30 p.m., so an hour before Jeff. And then Tim and his mom, Linda, went to their neighbor's house who was having a get-together with, like, three other couples in the, in the neighborhood in their apartment complex. They were just, like, hanging out and playing cards. So Tim and Linda get back home at 11.30. Jeff is there because he got home at 9.30. Right. Linda starts to clean up the apartment. She's just doing dishes, cleaning. He did say that they, you know, said, I love you, good night, before they went to bed. So the fight was, you know, it was just a silly little teenager mom fight. And then he said, he tells police that he never heard anything else. He goes, he falls asleep a little bit after midnight. So that's like the little timeline. What What's this party they went to? It was just a, like a neighbor get together. The neighbor was having a few other couples. Yeah, so somebody jumped in the window, jumped out of the window. I mean, does she meet somebody at this party? Mm-hmm. I'm I'm trying to. I've been since you started this whole thing. I've been trying to see what what's the kids' involvement here. If the kids involved, I think I, I feel like I feel like there's something suspicious about the kid. Okay. I I thought that before mm-hmm. before you you said that they had a spat because he's in the living room. Like mm-hmm. this type of, think about it. Uh, someone's mm-hmm. strangling you and you're fighting. Someone's got a, a coat hanger around you mm-hmm. and you're fighting and screaming and, and fighting and the kid didn't hear it. Neither of those kids heard it. Uh, something, there's some connection here with the kid and there's some connection with the, um that party. The police theory is that the suspect climbed into the window hid and waited in Linda's closet for uh, her to be at her most vulnerable. Yeah, so this is okay. one of the things that kind of corrupt. Like, this is why they kind of think that because the kids didn't hear anything, they think she was at her most, like she was ready for bed. She was getting undressed and he just like immediately subdued just her and she had no her? time to like make any noise. They believe that he might have stalked her or at the very least knew from, the family from, from that party. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, like anytime someone goes in the window like that, like mm-hmm. you, they know something, they know yes. what they're going in for, for sure. Knew the layout of the house. Yeah. Knew where the boys slept and where they would be. 
So they like knew to go in because yeah, like if the, the oldest boy is in the, the living yeah. room, there's no point of entry into that apartment mm-hmm. other than her, right. her bedroom. So he right. had to have known that. Yeah. That's good. So they do collect fingerprints and shoe impressions from everyone at the party and even all the other neighbors. They also collect hair samples. No one from the party is a match. So they collected hair? You me? I, I missed. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. Nobody's a match. They're collecting everything. They're collecting all DNA at this point to just. Yeah, I'm not. I don't know enough about her background other than that party to to try to guess who might have come in, unless the the husband. I was gonna say, do you remember I mentioned a very abusive, yeah, toxic unless ex-husband? The, the husband he would know that the kid where the kids sleep and everything, right? So he he would know. He would know. But why would he have to? Like the kid no. would just let him in. Okay, so this is. I was looking for it earlier when she got a divorce from her him. Yeah. They were living in Alabama. Mm-hmm. She left from Alabama Alabama to bring the kids to Florida. He was not in their life at that point. He didn't even know that she was living in Florida. He didn't know where she was living with the boys. So, no, he would not have known. Oh, okay. That is the first place police go to, though. Yeah, that you is, have to, Yeah, right. the ex-husband. Because also, he was very toxic. He had been threatening her. She had left Alabama to go to Florida to get away from him. And she, he had been sending her letters. But... They were all addressed to her parents' address. He tells police that he didn't even know she was living in that apartment complex or like in that area. And he Uh had been in Alabama the night of her murder. They still collect fingerprints and they come back as not a match, which clears him. The only thing I think of then is the kid so mad at his mother, right? Really pissed that he stages this thing. He jumps in the window and kind of stages it and creates the footprints walks mm-hmm. over and does exactly what the police say yeah. hides in there waits for her to come in and he attacks her and kills her a sexual and, assault though oh that's a fair point yeah, yeah. no no good point that yeah. whole time the yeah, yeah i keep so I, I there's a lot of stuff going on here that's yeah. why i'm like i can't piece it together yeah yeah i they, when while they were talking about the son i was like yeah but i, I don't that doesn't match up for what, me. was that a theory initially I'm going to get there. But yes, the police are going to look at the older son. Yeah. Or did he bring in a friend? Like They don't. They didn't ever talk about maybe yeah. the possibility of a friend. But but that's what I was That's what I was thinking. Like, that's the only other thing. You know, but you're right. The sex assault, that's not. Yeah. Uh, that, that typically doesn't happen to us. Doesn't make uh, sense. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So Linda does have an ex-boyfriend. They broke up two days before her murder. Oh, you didn't tell me that. I'm going in yeah. order the order of Oh, okay. Events. So you're right. So now this is somebody who knows, who would know the, 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 the layout. So that's a good point, right? So the police have to narrow down who knows, it, it, assuming that what this kid said is true, that he didn't hear anything, mm-hmm. then they do have to, that's a good way to narrow it down. Like who knew that? I think that's probably the most important thing you said. Yeah. Friends and family tell police that this ex-boyfriend had a temper he was apparently Man, pretty possessive. Like, oh, Jesus. She had been complaining that he was really jealous. He wanted to know where she was at all times. If he couldn't find her, he would get just insanely yeah. angry and upset. And when questioned about his alibi, he said that he was at home with his sister and mother. They both corroborated the story, oh, but geez. but they ultimately couldn't say, like, no, he didn't leave the house when we fell asleep. So Right. He takes a polygraph 
but that is inconclusive. Mm -hmm. So they give him a second chance to take another polygraph. He decides not to show up and he stops cooperating at that point. Okay. The physical evidence does eventually exclude him, though, from being... Excludes him? Yeah. Wow, this is really confusing, though. That's why Mm -hmm. I keep going back, like, to the son. Did the son let somebody in? You know what I mean? Okay, we're going to talk about that. You know, this, like the, the son, is he still so mad and so angry at his mom? Where was he at when he went out? The fight was about food, though. Where, like, where, it was literally just a stupid teenage fight. Where was he at before he got home? He was at football practice. He got home from No, that's football the youngest practice. one I thought was at football. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Sorry, the youngest one. No, he just got home and... Got into a fight with his mom. So I don't know where he was at. He was just out. He got into a fight with his mom and then went to his grandparents' house. I don't know. I mean, who's at this? Everybody was clear at the party. I, I You got me hanging because I, uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. The only possible thing is the son knows what's going on because he was there in the house. So that's what police think also. They don't really believe the whole, I didn't hear anything. Yeah. Because his bed was in the living room right up against the wall. Yeah. Doesn't make any sense. They, I mean, they describe him as a pretty rebellious teenager. And to which I said, who isn't, though? Like, what teenager really, like, realistically gets along with their parents to where if this were to happen to them, their their family members and friends wouldn't say you're, they were a rebellious teenager. I, I don't know. I think in when any I of these situations. you off, did you ever think about whacking me? <laughs> no. Jesus. <laughs> no, but, that, so, but that's what I'm saying yeah, yeah. is what teenager, like, Everyone is going to say, well, that that was a rebellious teenager. Yeah, I was, you wouldn't you have des- described me at that point in my life as a rebellious teenager? I never teenager? would have described you as rebellious. Oh, with all of the, as much as never. we would like get into never. arguments, I kind of felt like it. You took my phone a lot, so no, it made never, me feel never like would, I was rebellious. Never would have described you as rebellious. Okay, no, but I was still a teenager and we right, still had stupid arguments and that's what that was. It was just about food. All right, but he's the only one, like right now, that like is, he's in the house, you know? Right. Well, the younger there son was forced, in the house. Above. So there is, but the problem is there is forced entry, so right. to speak, right? The, right. They came in through the window. Right. But wait a minute, did they smash? No, they... they the screen, the so the screen door was removed and gone, yeah. and the window was open. I bet the kid op- op- left the door open for somebody. I don't know. There's something. There's some connection there. He is also the last person to see his mom. He and he tells by his own yeah. admission. Yeah, he says, that's what I'm "My other brother was in bed. I mom was doing the dishes. She was cleaning. We had a conversation. Said good night, love you, and I went to bed, and she went to bed, and that was the last. It, mm-hmm. That's but." There's no evidence tying him to that crime scene, and he passes a polygraph. Oh, so so the police did say, well... Yeah, they spent time looking at him. They cleared him, but they were still suspicious of him. Now, this, now think about this. He's 15 years old. His mom is murdered, and the police suspect him. He ends up dropping out of high school. He has a lot of depression. He mm-hmm. he just is, it's not going well for him. Throughout up until 20, 2000, is it 2001? Oh, so this, go cold, this goes cold then? Yeah, this is going to go cold. Oh, okay. I have, I have to, I have it in my notes. Okay, I okay, can't read right. it to you right now. All right. For all right. a good chunk of years, they still suspect him. And they, they continuously go and ask him questions. They pull him out of school yeah. to ask him questions. Like they are 
essentially her like I don't want to say harassing, but they are essentially continuously talking to him he, because they think that did he, he passed a polygraph. Yeah. Yeah. And the the evidence did not mm-hmm. tie him there, but they still believe that he has involvement. Well, that's what I'm saying. I think there's so, like some knowledge, you know, that they're going after. That's what I feel like. I mean, up until what year? Did, I'll, I have it all okay, right here. All right, I, all right. I, I, I can't right, jump ahead. Cool. Pretty much after this, though, the case is going to go cold. So we're still in 1981. Okay. The end into 1982 after like a good mm-hmm. year of investigation, it's going to go cold. And then March of 1999, the Florida Department of Law Enforcement were actually able to develop a full DNA profile. So remember, again, early 80s, this is just like blood type, right? So now they have a full DNA profile. So they send the samples of all the original suspects. Well, the sex assault examination kit probably, you know, the autopsy. Yeah, but it wasn't like a full DNA profile that they could like run, right? Mm -hmm. So now they do. So they run all the But it wasn't blood that they got it from. It was semen probably, yeah. And yes, yes, yes. And then the the prints also. Yeah. So they send in all of the original suspects, everyone that they had tested previously, they send in all of those profiles to actually like test against an actual profile now. And that still sends... That still comes back as nothing. This, so this 1999, this is when what, so the Jeff fingerprint, is cleared. The fingerprint didn't come back? The palm the print? The palm print, no. Okay, yeah. No, nothing. Some, very rarely palm, palm prints. So with this full DNA profile, though, this mm-hmm. is the first time that Jeff is publicly cleared as a suspect in his mother's murder. Holy shit. So 84. To 99. 94. That's so like. 15 years. Yeah. So thirty, he's like thirty years old when okay. he's finally cleared publicly wow. as not wow. being involved. Yeah, at this point, the new detective of the case is uh, Detective Brad Grice. Just so we know who we're, I'm going to talk about him. Mm-hmm. Now, a year later, in September of 2001, James Ulmer comes to the attention of Detective Grice. Now, does that name sound familiar to you? It does. His picture i swear when i saw his picture i was like i definitely have seen his face before but when i looked him up there wasn't like a whole lot of information on his case and i didn't recognize it but his face looks so familiar if you google it you'll see what i mean like i you've definitely have seen his face somewhere his mugshot so he was a convicted felon um in Polk County, the Polk County Sheriff's Office tells Detective Grice about James Ulmer and his crimes. They were very, very, very similar to what happened to Linda. He had gone into the home of a 10-year-old girl and strangled and raped her. He had gone through her bedroom window and kidnapped her as well. Now, she survived this whole attack. What's the last name again? James Ulmer, U-L-M-E-R. So this girl survived. Do you did you hear what I said or do I need to repeat? Yeah, no, no. It's the same. It was a similar okay. type. So she situation. survived and she's able to identify him. This all took place ten, less than ten miles away from Linda's apartment. Oh, a so year this afterwards. is good. So what what so year did they in, find this again? What what, what year are we at? Now? So we're in two thousand one. September two thousand one okay. is when this information is brought to Detective Grice's attention. Yeah. How old However, is this guy? This happened yeah. a year after so in 1982 
Oh. Oh, so he's just pulling up an old case. Yes. And said, if well, it had the, the Polk MO. County Sheriff's Office reaches uh, out to him and says, yeah. hey, this information. So he, because the case has gone cold at this point. Yeah. yeah so I he gotcha. had taken over and he's repri. He's yeah. And he's probably looking. So it. he's looking at similar motive mm-hmm. MOs and stuff. So they reach yeah. out to him. Okay. Yes. That's cool. So. Good detective work. I love it. Also, it just so happens that James Ulmer had a friend who lived in an, the apartment complex right across from Linda's, uh, like right across the street. And James Ulmer actually was at his friend's apartment the night of her murder. Huh. He was there. How do we know that? Like, they, he I mean, he spoke seen, to the friend. Yeah. Detective Grice. All right. So what's the connection to the kid's son then? The son has been publicly cleared. That's right. So they're not looking at the son anymore. He's Detective Grice mm-hmm. actually knows Jeff like they they had been friends mm-hmm. and knew each other previously. They he didn't realize that he was like working on the same case. So he's he's heavily involved. Like Jeff and his brother Tim are going to the police, calling them every day. They're working hard to try and have them solve their mother's case. In 1996 is when James Ulmer was convicted and sentenced to 80 years in prison. Now, James Ulmer actually died in prison and was cremated. So he was convicted for that other. Yes, for the, yes, and sentenced to 80 years. So that was a cold case that they solved, that that other one. Because it happened. Colder, it happened in 1982, yeah, Yeah, and he was arrested in, yeah, in 1996. So he died in prison and was cremated. And his DNA had never been collected while he was in prison. Oh, man. Yeah. Detective Grice goes to the Polk County Sheriff's Department to then get the evidence from the case that he was convicted for. Oh, nice. Good idea. There's none? It was, it, yeah, it was destroyed. The case yeah, and everything was typically, like, destroyed because... You don't typically destroy DNA, um, so... They had gotten rid of the case mm, file okay. and everything because right. he had been convicted yeah. and stuff, which, yeah, doesn't yeah. really, I think you that sounds silly. get rid of the DNA. So but. ultimately, though, James um, James Ulmer's mother offers up her DNA for testing. Oh, okay. And this actually clears James Ulmer from being Linda's killer. So he is now what cleared as well. What the heck mm-hmm. is going on? See, this is what I'm saying. I, yeah. I, I don't... Wow, all that work probably took time. They probably thought they were onto something. Yep. Wow. By 2005, the FBI is now continuously running that DNA profile through the database. So again, we're having, we're at a cold case, but now we are continuously running the DNA through all of the different databases to see if someone is being arrested or if someone is entering the system. Detective Grice retires in 2015. He actually worked on the case for 17 years. Wow. Yeah. He retires in 2015. Now, June of 2019, Cece Moore takes on this case. Ah, yes. Here we go. Yes. She uploads the DNA profile that they have of their killer into Jedmatch and she starts to build his family tree. Remember we always say backwards. She was building the trees of people who shared DNA with him and then she found common ancestors. She was making all of these connections by This is the genetic genealogy yes. essentially. Yep. Yes. 
marriage licenses, obituaries, birth certificates. Mm -hmm. She also used social media to connect all of these people together. She was able to find three genetic networks that all led to one immediate family member who was the only son. So it was the only one it could have been. And since they knew it was a male, it had to have been him. It was Joseph Clinton Mills. Who's that? Now, at this point, Detective Tammy Hathcock had taken over the case after Detective Grice had retired. Now, they're also able, when they get to his name, Joseph Mills, they find out that he had been living in Kathleen, Florida at the time and had still been living there just half an hour away from the original crime scene. So remember when a geneticist gives law enforcement a name, we then have to kind of say like, why? Right. We have to. Well, you got to start. You have to put put the investigation together still. You don't go right in. Right. I mean, getting DNA is one thing, but but what was he in the area? What's his criminal history? What if he had motive, opportunity, means, those kind of things, you know? He was in the area at the time, but also Detective Hathcock actually recognizes his name from the case, the original case files. No, how? He had been originally interviewed because he was actually Tim's football coach. <laughs> the younger son. The younger son. He had actually given Tim and Linda a ride home, or Tim a ride home from practice that night. Before Tim and Linda went to oh my the goodness, party. I guess that's brilliant on his part, right? He was That's his alibi. <laughs> yeah, I don't think he really even ever gave them. He spoke to them on yeah. the phone. He never even was spoke he a to them bad guy or just a just a witness? You think you know? Because he he gave him a ride home, so he's probably just a witness. What he gave him a ride home that night, right? Witness to what? In that investigation, like he's just somebody who saw them earlier. Oh, why they yeah. spoke to him? Yeah. Yeah yeah yeah, 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 yeah. Because he was their football. They're coach. recreating. Yeah. They called her. him. It was a phone call. They didn't even yeah. see him in person. Yeah, okay. yeah. They, when they were doing that, I thought you were saying like he was just a witness. He wasn't actually the person that did it. And I, that's why no, I was confused. No, no, it, was like, no, no. The to DNA. them initially, he right. Yes, initially. So he was twenty years old at the time in nineteen eighty one. He had been questioned the day after Linda's death over the phone. It was a short interview. He had been living in the same place and married to the same person all this time. He had been a truck driver for a little bit. He had kids, owned a cleaning service. And in 1984, he had been arrested for grand theft. Mm-hmm. So a few years after. So he's fitting. The good, this is looking like their guy. Mm-hmm. So they start following him. Yeah, they go. try and collect DNA. They try and collect DNA, something obviously that he's going to discard. So they're following him. They followed him for weeks. They ended up just taking his trash back to the police department, his trash can, his trash. They find a piece of used medical tape, which comes back as a positive match for the DNA they had collected in 1981. I think that's interesting. That I feel like that would be. How does a DA allow that? How does a judge allow that? I feel like um, they have to have had so something it's, else. So it's probable cause for the mm-hmm. arrest, right. right? Because it's you know he lives by himself, or lives with his wife or whatever, right? I mean, mm-hmm. they they I think he was by they, they probably can positively say that that's his trash, mm-hmm. right? And then of course they take it when they're allowed to take it when it's right. out on the curtilage or when it's abandoned for the trash pickup. And so they grab it, 
And they're in there, they're probably saying, oh, here's, here's an old bill with the name and address on it. This is his trash. Oh, here's something with DNA. A reasonable person would believe that that's his DNA because, right. because it's DNA and then it matches the DNA they have that gets them to him where they're following him. So, that I mean, that's probable cause. It's, it's probable cause. Probable cause that he's the guy. Let's go arrest that's him. True. Yeah. I mean, they're going to take DNA again probably after they arrest him and double check. Mm-hmm. December 12th, 2019, he is actually arrested. He originally denies knowing Linda or even her son, saying he doesn't recognize Tim. Now, at the same time, Tim actually had a picture, an old football picture, where his coach, Joseph Mills, is actually standing right behind him. He had had this picture, and it was taken like a week after his mother's murder. And the police have this picture. He had No, Tim had had this picture hanging up in his yeah. house for the last... 40 years how really? old how many years oh yeah. because it was a picture of his mom no it was a football picture didn't you say his mom was in the picture too <clears throat> no oh, it was taken a week after his mom was murdered i'm about to explain you're oh. interrupting me sorry he had this picture I'll for that oh my gosh <laughs> because in the days and weeks and months after his mother's death his football team including his football coach were very 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 supportive in offering help his coach, Joseph Mills, would continue to give him rides to and from school, to and from work. He really looked up to him. He really, oh, really wow. looked up to him and valued his relationship with his football coach. Yeah, the coach had to do something because he just killed his mom. Well, he was trying to get details is what the police think. He yeah. was trying to revisit oh, her or whatever. That's a good a good, a good, good point. Yeah. So for the last right. 30, 40 years, Tim has had this picture of this man hanging in his house. He still had the picture up. Yeah, okay. So the reason he kept it, uh, that's where I was going. I was yeah. confused. The reason he kept it is because it was meaningful to him because yeah. his team reached out to him. Well, and his coach. His coach was yeah. there for him. So yeah. he's, he's telling police that he doesn't even recognize Tim. He slowly starts to change and says that, yes, he does remember Tim. He says he never went into the home. Then he eventually says that he did went in and that Linda was waiting with the high wire hanger for him and that it was her idea. What? Yeah. Then what eventually to use it, to put it on herself. So essentially trying to say that he like he went in through the window and they were going to con- have consensual sex like she was waiting for him. She knew okay. he was going to come in through the window. Then eventually he does say that he did put it around her neck, but that he didn't know she had died. Oh, my God. This Yeah. If you watch the interview, the the detective is like, really? You didn't know she, she died? Really? <laughs> she like the thing is, challenges him. Uh, and I'm like. So this is a perfect example of um of like him not knowing. He's getting caught in so many lies. Him yeah. not knowing. Like, well, you have to remember each lie. Mm-hmm. And then so he has to keep coming clean because he doesn't know what what he said you know yeah uh, well okay oh yeah that picture oh, okay yeah well maybe i did know him you know and yeah it was at every point that they presented him with all the so, evidence and then like in, like if he didn't do it he'd be saying no i didn't do that yeah but what he's doing is he's trying to rationalize well you know it was her idea she knew i was mm-hmm. coming well okay so maybe i did 
Okay, so yeah, maybe I did put put it around her neck, you know. So he's in his in his head, and the cops can see this. He his his um, it's twirling up inside his head there, and they can see him. Oh well, you know, coming up with these ideas and trying to rationalize. They're probably helping him rationalize. Yeah, you know. That's that's unbelievable. Good detective work. So eventually he does end up pleading guilty. He says that he. Oh, I just mentioned he says that he had given Tim a ride home that night from football practice. So he ended up confessing, you mean? Not fully, really. He just says that like he did. And then he just he ends up pleading guilty just to not go to a trial. The new police theory is that he dropped Tim off at home that night. On September 3rd, 1981. And then he comes back a little bit later and gets in through the window. No one heard him because everyone was not home. Jeff was not home yet. And then right. mom and Tim were at the neighbors already. He hides in the closet. And after Linda says goodnight to her sons, he goes to her room. She goes to her room, closes her door. And that's when Jill Mills jumps out and attacks her. What for? They don't We don't know. They don't know why. There's no motive. February 9th, 2022 is their day in court. He pleads guilty to first-degree murder, sexual battery, and burglary. Mm-hmm. Oh, burglary. Oh, burglary is breaking into. Yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. Burglary, but they said Not that they robbery. didn't. Not oh, robbery. Yeah, burglary okay. is breaking into the house. Oh, okay. Yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah. Obviously, everyone makes Burglars, money. people that commit oh, burglary yeah. usually break in to Steal. rob. Right. But, yeah. I didn't know that. Makes sense. Everyone was obviously allowed to speak. You know, they did the victim impact statements. Mm -hmm. And after the boys and, well, they're not boys anymore. Her, Linda's sons and her sister speaks. He actually gets up and says that he's a good person and he's not who they were painting him out to be. No remorse? Nope. Oh, judges don't like that. Yeah. No, he had no remorse throughout this whole thing. Even when he was, they said even when he was arrested, he didn't even, he didn't ask why he was being arrested. Because obviously they arrested him at his house before they went back to interview him and show him like all the evidence and stuff. He didn't even ask. The detective was like, I mean, usually if you're, if police are in your home and arresting you, you're going to want to know why you're being arrested, right? Like you're going to say, why are Mm -hmm. you arresting me? He didn't even ask. Like he already knew, you know? He had no, there was nothing, nothing there. Mm-hmm. Nothing. He was sentenced to life without the possibility of parole. I also read that he was, he got four life terms. It was two different things that I read. So I, I'm both the same thing. What I was guess. his plea deal then? Or, there or was no, no he, just, he pled guilty, guilty to first degree murder, okay. sexual battery and burglary. Okay. And mm-hmm. he gets life. Sentenced to life without the possibility of parole, but also for life terms. Either way, okay. same thing. He's so, not yeah. getting out. Yeah. Not getting out. He was 20 at the time in 1984. So how old is he? No, I, I thought. Oh, he was 20? Yeah. No, the son was fifth, the yeah. same age as you. He was 20. So that's five years older. So he's five years older so than you. So that's 39 years. So 20 plus 39. Well, he's, just, he's five years older than you. So just how five plus your age. 62. Okay, so he's 62 now in prison. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I was just trying to do the math. Yeah. To see, because ca- in a lot of these cases, the men that are getting arrested and finally going to prison are much older, like the Golden State Killer, because mm-hmm. he did kind of look like D'Angelo. 
Oh. In the because this was yeah. he had the mask on and he was wearing yeah. like, the same orange. In yeah, the a video. lot of this happened during COVID. He did, yeah, he did look very much like like for a second I was like, am I watching the right footage? They all look the same. They literally yeah. all look the same. <laughs> yeah. Since we've been doing this. So. All right. Wow. So he's in jail. Yep. So it was absolutely 100% not the sons. They were negatively affected by it. It was very, yeah. it's very sad to hear him. I watched an episode on uh, investigation discovery and they, he was talking about how it affected him being under police suspicion mm. and obviously also dealing with the loss of their mom. Yeah, how they are they loved. doing now? The kids, the they sons. seem, yeah, they seem like they're doing good now. Mm, good. I mean, they're, they're obviously happy that, yeah, they got. But again, it's not really. It doesn't bring her back, right? I know. For them, so. All right, good job. Yeah, that is all for. Well, good job to the police and detective yeah, in this. Yeah. This was there was a lot of good detective I work. Good. I love these one. ones where it's good detective work. Yeah, good detective work. All right, thank you guys for listening this week. You can follow us on Instagram at True Crime Archives Podcast for all of the updates, and I'll post everything about this episode. Also on Twitter at TC Archives Pod, and I think that's that's it. We will be back next week. Later. Bye. Mm-hmm.